All right, welcome back, everybody. It's episode eight of Just Three Guys. We're back with you today. We got a little shorter podcast for you coming, but we still got our three things to debate this week. We got our good old what if sports, and as always, we're going to send some picks. So, with that said, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're back for another exciting ep- episode. We're going to shorten it down just a little bit for you guys. Uh, we all have lives and we're a little busy, so we're going to trim it down just a little bit this week for you. Uh, so, Gable, what's new with you? I know you've got some exciting news. Uh, yeah, so uh, yesterday I interviewed for a, uh internship with Drake University for their athletic department. And uh, went pretty well. And last night got the confirmation that I received the offer for the internship. So I took it. So uh, I'll be working next semester anywhere between 10 to 20 hours a week, um, working with sponsorship money, fundraising, you know, marketing and promotions, um, working for and planning for the Drake relays and things of that nature. So it'll be a really good experience. It was a good day. Um, and very glad I got the opportunity and, uh, for, you know, what next semester holds with it. So it was, it was pretty good. Uh, but other than that though, uh, I'm on fall break. And so we had practice this morning and, uh, so I got the rest of the day off. So, but I got to do a couple things this afternoon. So, so nothing, what nothing does your fall much. break consist of? Cause my fall break was literally one day. Yeah. So we, ours is Thursday and Friday. And so then obviously we have the weekend. And so for basketball, we have, we had practice from 1130 to two today. And then tomorrow morning we have practice. Then we don't have anything on Saturday. And then on Sunday um, we have practice, but I won't be there because I'll be up in Cedar Falls nice. this weekend. So, yep. Wow. Once again, you'll be able to see Noah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder yeah, if we'll are actually, you actually see, going we'll to. see maybe one of these days. Uh, phew, like a pretty, yeah. pretty busy weekend. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. A pretty All busy right. weekend. What do you have going on? Oh, we that got seems like annual. a good lead-in for you. God, that is a good lead-in. Uh, well, we got our uh, we got annual sales competition that I get to participate in again. So really looking forward to that. Won it last year. No big deal. But um, so we'll oh, see how. Oh, thank you. We'll we'll see how this year goes though. I haven't even opened up the, the role play yet, so I'm obviously prepping very hard for it. <laughs> Sounds just like you. Yeah. yeah, well, worked last year, so we'll see if we can work some <laughs> magic again, I guess. Yeah. All right, AJ, well, what's new with you? Well, uh, I would say nothing too crazy, except I have the opportunity tonight, which is Thursday, the yeah. 25th. Um Somebody at our school, he works with like the marketing department. He does video stuff for the school and he works with the local news station. So sometimes they'll ask him, hey, shoot some volleyball stuff or shoot some basketball stuff. We want to run it during our news package, our sports sports package tonight. And then he'll send him like a couple of clips, give him a little script of what's going on. But tonight he's busy. So he asked me to do it for him. So tonight at the Grandview women's volleyball game, I will be taking some video um, and I'll put together a short little highlight reel that is supposed to run, if it's good enough, hopefully it's good enough, it's supposed to run during the 10 o'clock news on KCCI tonight. Oh, yeah, so by the time everybody listens to it, nobody's going to be able to watch out for it. So I'll see if I can... Uh, get it recorded somehow, maybe at home. Um, so also with KCCI, I've heard that uh, they might be having some openings soon, some part-time openings, work with like uh, camera and video and editing. So um, I'm waiting to, I have some, I have a friend that goes to school with me and he's currently working part-time with KCCI and he's supposed to be letting me know if an official opening is up so i can go interview for a part-time job so looking forward to that if the opportunity comes up there you go nice dude so it sounds like all of us got some good 
good stuff. Yeah, I still don't yeah. have a job, but yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> how, how's that coming along? By the way, Are you looking into uh, anything yet? I'm waiting patiently. I'm waiting patiently on some things. We'll see. We'll see though. I'll just be poor until then though. We'll see. We'll see. Got some questions that I gotta ask and I hope you can come up with So with that, we'll jump on into the inquiry. We got one good question for you guys. It's kind of a a science question, I guess, is one way to word this question. Um and kind of almost just like a woe question. Like, well, why okay, I'll just get into it. So okay, if Maybe maybe this is better suited for a woman. I don't. We're gonna give it a shot though. Um, oh, well, we've talked about screaming tampons before, so yeah. Well, this okay. It's it's different, but we'll give it a shot. Okay, okay. If women are pregnant for nine months, how come a baby isn't nine months old when it's born? Whoa, you're right. That's a whoa question. Oh God. Um... Well, technically, it is. It, it's their birth date. So, I mean, like when they come out, that's, I mean, that's considered their, them being born. So how old you are is how long it's been since you were born. But wouldn't it be how long you've been alive? See, I think that that would be two different things. Uh, Cause you wouldn't be born if you haven't come out yet. Yeah, that might be a question to ask, like Planned Parenthood or one of those uh, organizations that really get into stuff like that. They'll give you a definitive answer. I feel like I feel like it's just because you haven't like been completely formed yet until like okay. you come out of the. Okay, world, I like that one. Sense. Yeah, you have to develop. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like you can't technically be like i don't know it's hard to it's hard to say because like you're not a completely developed human being until you like come out of the womb so but I you're not like even completely developed when you're born because you grow up and then you fully develop <laughs> everything else so we i wasn't I'm, i still might not be fully developed i didn't fully develop like my height until i was like 16 like developed enough to like sustain life though like outside of the womb, I guess. Like, you can't like at like five months in the womb. If you come out, chance of you living, like just based on the fact that your like immune system and like your organs and things like that aren't developed enough yet. So I feel like at that nine month mark, when or like around that time when you are born, um, your organs and everything about you like is developed enough that outside of the womb you can survive as long as like people take care of you so i feel like that's why they don't consider the nine months plus it would be really well i mean it might be kind of hard to keep track of when that actually happened you know like when you first started being like uh getting that heartbeat or whatever so i don't know i think it's a lot simpler process um to track once you're outside the womb i, but, I but, guess so yeah, that is that is interesting. Like, why do we go off of birth date instead of being a live date? I guess because happy being a live date to you didn't make as good of a song. Yeah, they'd have to give it a different tone than or tune than the happy birthday song. Happy being a live date to oh, it kind of works. Uh, it's, it, it, it's it's a little tricky. Some adjustments. So, not terrible. So tricky. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We'll have, that is interesting. We'll have to work on that one. Ooh, well. Yep. In in chat, and maybe this is false, but I'm reading it on Reddit, so it has to be true, right? Exactly. Yeah, I yep. use that all the time. In Chinese culture, you are one year old on the day you're born. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's same in South up. Korea, apparently. I don't, I don't even know what I'm reading. Your, your, <laughs> your international like age, your international age is the same. So, like an 18 year old in China is an 18 year old here, but they, they use it as a social tool to address a person. 
So they're like 19 when they're back in in China. Huh. What? You can't that's, be like two yeah, separate ages. Yeah, kind of strange. I think I I think in China you might be able to. I'm not I'm not one to what? judge different cultures, but that's weird. Well, so you did judge culture. Okay, I'll be honest. That just—it doesn't. It seems like that's a lot of things could go wrong with that, with that way of doing things. But you never know. I mean, uh, I don't know if I could say I've heard weirder, but that's yeah, that is interesting. Okay, sure. well, if any of our listeners are from China or South Korea. Make sure to let us know how old you are, then let us know how other old you are. And we'll... Or you can just provide the formula needed to figure out your age. I, I think it's just your inner, your your real age plus one. Wouldn't it be minus one? Wait, plus yeah, one. Plus one? Be, yeah. yeah, plus one. So X equals their age plus one. Oh, that's my you, brain hurts. And that's how you get their age. All right, I think I've had about enough math and science yeah, for the day. That, that's that's plenty. Um, we'll pass thing off to just three things of the week with Gable. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl, we like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey. All right, guys, we're doing J3G's just three things of the week, but we're actually doing four things this week since you know we shortened up a couple segments, cut out a couple. Uh, we're going to try and talk four main debate points that actually um, all of them are kind of a big deal from this past week. So first one, um, NFL this week. Uh, well, I guess this past week. I'd like to ask you guys, who's to blame for the Chicago Bears Hail Mary against the Patriots not being a touchdown? Mitchell Trubisky or oh, Kevin White? And to provide, to provide a little bit of context at okay. first, Trubisky rolled out to his left. He had a defender in his face. He tossed that thing up there. He tossed it, I think, 55 yards. Kevin White caught it on the one-yard line. There were three defenders around him, and one of them wrapped him up, and there was about, like, a second where he probably could have extended and, like, scored a touchdown, but then, like, two other defenders got on top of him, and that was the last play. If he would have caught that, that would have went to overtime. So, well, I mean, if he would have scored on that, that would have sent it to overtime as long as they hit the extra point. So, so is it is it really anybody's fault? Is this a real debate for like the Bears fans? Well, here's why we're debating this. My roommates and I have been screaming at each other all week about this because me and Connor think that it's Kevin White's fault that he didn't score. Like it's not necessarily anybody's fault, you know. Um, like they completed the pass, and ultimately there's like three guys around him. But my other roommate, Casey Good, thinks it's Mitchell Trubisky's fault that he didn't throw it into the end zone or that he couldn't throw it far enough. But, like, if you see the replay, there's a defender, like, literally right in his face as he rolls out left, and he tosses that thing, like, 55 yards. So would you rather place blame on Trubisky throwing it too short or Kevin White not being able to get uh, it? It's quite simple, really. Um, well, first of all, I had fallen asleep, and I woke up, like with just in time to see this hail mary, like as the ball was being snapped, I kind of I woke up and saw it. But it's quite simple. The throw just it needs to be in the end zone. I get that he was under a lot of pressure, but Trubisky's got to get it there for them to get it have a chance to win because Kevin White was triple teamed after he got after he caught the ball, I believe. So I don't know one. One wide receiver is not going to get through three defensive players that often. Yeah. See, I think it's I think it's fault because Mitchell Trubisky is rolling out to his left. He's got, like, no time left. And he's got a defender in his face. And he's just got to launch that thing. And so he had to get it over the defender for this is the first part. And the second part, if you complete that pass and you're only a yard away, like – if you watch the replay, there was about a second where after the first defender made contact with Kevin White, he has about a yard opening where all he had to do is extend out, put that thing over the end zone, or use everything he could just to, like, fall forward and get that thing. Like, even if he doesn't get it, like, you have to at least make the attempt to, like, fall forward and extend the ball out, which he didn't. And then he got wrapped up by the other two. So I think, like, 
I don't think it's like totally See, Kevin White's fault. Like, obviously, he went up and got the catch, but like, dude, if you make that catch, you have. See, to get it. I think I'm, I think I'm leaning towards blaming Trubisky on this one because I mean, not that you can really situation. You can only expect so much out of either one. If there's a guy in his face, you can only expect the throw to be so good. For sure. But in my mind, it's the quarterback's job to throw it where it needs to be, and if the wide receiver's there, then it's his job to catch it. Kevin White did his job, and he caught the ball where the ball was thrown. And there's not a whole lot you can do with three defenders right there. So um, I think I don't want to place blame on either because clearly it's just an incredibly tough situation. Not everybody is Aaron Rodgers and does this on a regular basis and wins on Hail Marys and all that. But that's it's hard to place blame. But I think if, you, if you're making me put blame on someone, I'm putting it on Trubisky. He's an NFL quarterback. He should be able to throw it that extra yard. Yeah, it was a great play regardless. Yes. I mean, even though it came out just short, like, I, I, mean, I mean, it was a shocking play. We don't get to see that that often unless it is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> see, like, the thing where I place blame on Kevin White was he wasn't even in the end zone. Like, he was trailing to, like, catch up. Like, he was moving forward to get it. So, like, Mitch threw it where the ball needed to be thrown. Like, Kevin White caught it. Like, I yeah, I don't want to be, like, too critical. Uh, no, he needed like, to throw like, it really into the end zone, situation. so he didn't throw it where it needed I to be I mean, thrown. not necessarily, because if Kevin White's not even in the end zone, then he caught it on the one. You should be able to get in from there. <laughs> why didn't he just put it in the end zone so Kevin White could catch it there and not have to Yeah, move? why didn't he grunt a little harder to get that extra yard? And that's all it took. Because when you throw it up in the end zone, there's like four defenders in there. If you throw it a yard short, everybody's jumping for the ball. If you catch it there, you have the opportunity for that one second where you can just get in. I I think you're expecting too much out of Kevin White. I think you're expecting a little too much out of him. I was saying, you catch that ball, get in the end zone. I think throw, Anyways, throw the ball in the end zone. But... Oh, well, all right. I Agree to disagree that you're oh, whoa, Anyways, whoa. Uh, NBA, NBA news. So we had the uh, Rockets play the Lakers last week at Staples Center. And in the fourth quarter, things got really, really oh, chippy. Yes, they did. Uh, James Harden, James Harden, I think, went up for a layup. Um, he got fouled by Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram came and like shoved James Harden in the back. Then the official tried breaking up, and then Brandon Ingram got in the official's face. And then, you know, Brandon Ingram got separated by Melo. And then Chris Paul and Rondo got into a fight where actual punches were, like, landed. Chris Paul said that Rondo spit in his eye, yada, yada, yada. So I want, want to ask you guys, whose side are you on, Rondo's or Chris Paul's? And also, Rondo claimed this week that Chris Paul is not a good guy. Everybody wants to, like, believe that he is a good guy and that Chris Paul is actually a really bad teammate. So I want to ask you guys, Whose side are you on, Rondo or Chris Paul? And do you think Chris Paul is a bad teammate? Uh, I, I don't think it was really either of their faults to begin with. Uh, obviously, Brandon Ingram started the fight by shoving James Harden. But then, uh, I don't know, I guess then he wa- then Brandon Ingram walked away, and that's when Chris Paul and Rondo got into it. But uh, it didn't look like Rondo purposely spit in Chris Paul's face. It looked like... It was just a result of them jawing back and forth with each other. Um, but if I was Chris Paul, I would have probably reacted the same way that Rondo did. Uh, I would have reacted the same way that Chris Paul did with getting spit in the face like that. So, I don't know. I don't really think it's either of their faults. But I was surprised that people started saying that Chris Paul isn't that good of a teammate, considering... We see him on, you know, him and Cliff Paul on State Farm commercials, you know, assisting others. You know, he it seems like he's a good teammate because he, he gives teammates the ball. He racks up assists. So I thought that was a, a unique perspective that we got there. Yeah, I guess I kind of get what you're saying with the whole he seems like maybe like he's a good teammate, like literally on the floor. I wonder if kind of, and you've heard, was it was it Glenn Davis that said that he's not yes. a good teammate too? Yes. I wonder yeah. if he means more of like as like a locker room guy and yeah. like that kind yeah. of stuff. Right. Um I wonder if that's what he means by like, oh, he's not a very good teammate, like he's not a fun guy to be around and stuff like that. I think I think that's more what he meant not because obviously he's a good player and does pass the ball and does the assists and all that. But I think as a 
as a kind of like off the court kind of guy. I could maybe see him being a bad teammate, but that's kind of impossible for any of us to know if you haven't played with him and there haven't been like any huge stories like D'Angelo Russell recording Swaggy P in the locker room or anything like that. Like it's been nothing crazy like that, which makes me think that he can't, how bad of a teammate can he really be or else we'd probably know by now. Um, and as far as blame, I mean, listen, they were both being kind of chippy with each other. I don't even, I mean, you see the video of the spit flying out of the mouthpiece, but did he intentionally spit or did it just kind of like come out? Like he's got his mouth full and he's just like, hey, and the spit comes out. Because that can kind of happen, I think, with a mouth guard. Yeah, it it happens. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know. Obviously, if I had spit in my face all of a sudden, I'd probably want to punch someone too, but it's hard to put blame on anybody. I like Rondo a lot though. So I think I'm going to push my blame onto Chris Paul a little more. Yeah, I think uh, I'm on Rondo's side in this. And I do think Chris Paul is probably not a very good teammate in the sense of like the locker room guy type stuff. So the reason why I'm on Rondo's side is because I think Chris Paul escalated it regardless of whether Rondo like purposely spit or not. Like, I, I really don't think he did from watching the review. He wasn't even looking at him, and he there was there is no way you can like look at that film and say Rondo intentionally spit on him. Um, it's just like one of those things where like Chris Paul like almost poked like Rondo's eye, and that's I think that's even worse than you know spitting on someone, even as bad as spitting as one is. And so then Rondo like went after him, and at that point, you know, it's both their faults, but. You know, if I if I had to pick one, I'm probably going with Chris Paul is the one who started it and took it too far, and I'll probably be on Rondo's side. But I think Chris Paul, I think there is a lot to say about him being a bad teammate. So like when he was in L.A., he um, Glenn Davis obviously has you know come out with some criticism on him. Then I think a lot of people forget that Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan like have both had significant problems with Chris Paul as a teammate. Um, like when he was on the Clippers, um, I remember Blake Griffin. There were a lot of reports that Blake Griffin and Chris Paul like ex- just absolutely hated each other. Um, they couldn't stand each other. And then DeAndre Jordan, a big factor why he almost left the first time, um, was because of Chris Paul being like such a highly demanding teammate, someone that you know kind of like embarrassed his own teammates on the floor at times by just like constantly barking at him and like screaming at him like he was the coach. I mean, I there's just something about him where I'm like, I think he's a, obviously a really, really amazing basketball player, and he's obviously a guy that's his teammates, and he's probably someone that you want to play with because he's so smart and good at what he does. But I feel like off the court, he's probably like a kind of a jerk to his teammates. Like he just seems like a guy that um, kind of is thinks a little bit highly of himself and. He thinks of got he kind of like reminds me of a dude that just really has to have his way. Otherwise, if he doesn't like, you know, he's gonna place the blame on everybody else. So like, I think there is some type of narrative there about him being a bad teammate as far as the locker room guy goes. Like, you should look up some of the highlights of him like screaming at Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan while they played on the Clippers. Like. It was, like, way over the top, totally unnecessary for the situations at times. So, yeah, I would I would probably be on Rondo's side, and I think there's a lot of truth to what he's being said. And then I think Paul Pierce had to say something um, this past week. Uh, I, I, I was watching it, and he made it, like, just by the way he was talking, it made him sound like he was siding more towards Rondo because um, he's played with both of them, and it made it seem like like Chris Paul is probably not the guy that we think he is. Um, even though he's like best friends with LeBron and like other things like that. So I think those extra things kind of elevate his status as a teammate. But in reality, I think he's just a very, very demanding guy that sometimes just takes it too far. So then moving on to our third debate topic. So this was actually huge news. And I don't know if you guys have like looked into this at all, um, but like it was, it's like, one of the biggest storylines that I've seen in my lifetime. So um, this past week, uh, well, I guess as of yesterday, um, programs like Kansas, NC State, and um, Louisville were, you know, proven that they 
convinced uh, like shoe brands, so like Adidas, to pay money to highly recruited players to come to their school. And so essentially, like, I'm not going to explain the whole thing, but there were three reps for Adidas, and they were in communication with these three schools. And the head coaches at these schools, according to these three guys' arguments, the head coaches at these schools were the ones that contacted them and then told them to pay these athletes, parents and their families for them to go to school, like, you know, where they wanted to. And like a big one was Bill Self, like two of his players at Kansas, um, Billy Preston, who didn't really turn out at Preston uh, at uh, Kansas. He's in the NBA now. And then Silvio D'Souza, who's a sophomore right now, um, they both were proven that they were uh, Preston received like, I think, uh, $90,000. And then Silvio D'Souza um, received like $20,000 um, from Adidas. So, you know, it's proven that these guys receive money and now Silvio D'Souza is suspended. So I just want to ask you guys, what should happen to the programs and especially the coaches who are shoe companies to pay their top recruits to go to their schools? I mean, this sucks because it's obviously been happening forever. So it's kind of like, who cares? But obviously it is a big deal that you're paying people and that is technically illegal. Um, yeah, there should be sanctions, but it seems ridiculous to it seems ridiculous to fire a bunch of these top coaches because without these top coaches, you don't have the top programs, and then you're not going to get any of the top players. You're not going to have the good ratings on TV and all of that. And the NCAA really is a business at the end of the day. So I think they'll have some kind of small punishments, whether that be taking away scholarships or suspending them from term and play for like a year or something like that. I really don't think it'll be as extreme as it should be. And maybe this kind of opens up the door to the point where we can eventually maybe start doing a little bit more for the players to get them to come to the universities outside of the scholarship. Because a lot of these family, a lot of these players and their families live and come from poverty and could use a little bit extra help to get their kids through college, even just to give them to the NBA to get a little bit of money. Um, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with paying the players. Uh, so I think this maybe could end up being a positive thing and a step in the right direction to kind of get to there, to get some better players in the, in the NCAA. Yeah. I don't think people realize how big of a deal this is. I mean, it's a big deal in the sports world, but even outside of it, like, I think it could be talked about more because, you know, the NCAA has some of the strict, most strict rules ever. Like, every, like, a player can't get, even get dinner paid for unless it's by the school itself, you know. And so, I, the, I don't understand why all these top programs – Hall of Fame coaches are getting into like, involved with this, basically going against the rules. Like even I, I believe the rules are dumb. I think they should be lightened up or loosened up a lot, especially after all of this. But I mean, how hard is it just to simply follow the rules? It's one thing to get a top program, but if you're doing it in this way, and now that it's all being uncovered, that looks horrible on not only the coaches but the schools itself. And so what maybe got them a decade of accomplishments is now going to be pretty much nothing. Like take Rick Pitino, for example, with the, the prostitution going on during players' recruiting visits. He's a Hall of Fame coach, but now after, after the scandal was released, he was fired, and that might ruin his legacy forever. So... I, while I do, th like, that's another thing, or that's something completely different from just simply paying players, giving them housing benefits and stuff like that. But I do believe the NCAA rules should be loosened up a little bit. It's just unfortunate that top programs are going against the rules that are in place. Yeah, see, I, I agree with you, AJ, that this is like, this is an absolutely huge deal. Like, no, everybody just kind of turns a blind eye to it. It's like, well, every, they've been getting paid forever. Yeah. Like, no, this is, this is at what we always thought was that the university or the coaches were paying the players to come there. 
No, they're using like huge brands, like the biggest sporting brands in the world to pay these kids to come here. And then hopefully so that they, when they do make it to the NBA, that they sign with them. So it's like, it's like a, a huge, a huge interaction that we've never seen before. And honestly, like the NCAA has extremely strict rules and it would be one thing if like the universities were paying for these kids to come here. Um, It's a different thing that there's like a completely external entity and it's more just based on if it's actually like proven true, which I know these guys have said that the coaches told them to pay, but I mean, I think that has yet to be completely proven yet. I mean, if that's, if that's the case, then all three of these guys have to get fired. And I, it's sad to say, because, you know, they're all, all the guys that are charged with this, you know, with Rick Pitino used to be at Louisville um, with NC state's head coach when they had Dennis Smith jr. And then with, uh, you know, Bill Self, like they're all good coaches and they all are good programs, but you can't, it, it's just like so uncomprehensible. People are like paying them like 90 and a hundred thousand dollars to go to their school. When in reality, it's like, you know, the rules are so strict that you're like now bringing in an external entity. It's just like a huge cluster of a situation that it's just like, I, I'm still like trying to get my thoughts together about this. It's just, it's blown my mind that this is actually happening in college basketball. And I don't even know how good or bad it is. Like, obviously the coaches should be fired because they broke the rules and they, it's not even close. As long as they get proven that they did do this, then of course they should be fired. But is it really a bad thing? Like Noah said, with all the poverty that most of these kids come from or not, maybe not even poverty, but just low living standards, I guess. Um, like it's just, I feel like there needs to be an investigation, um, based on the NCAA, based on these companies and based on these institutions. Like, I feel like there needs to be some type of change on all three parts to make this right. I don't think it's all in the NCAA. I don't think it's all in the coaches. And I don't think it's all on, um, the actual companies that are paying these kids because ultimately, like, I mean, if you, if it happens, even though it doesn't make it right that something's happening this way, like these kids should be getting some more benefits than what they already are. As you know, as some people would say, like that would be a little bit, you know, you know, the rich keep getting richer, but at the same time, like these kids, like being a college athlete, as you know, AJ, and as I've observed with my roommates, it's, it's high demands and they don't, these guys don't have the opportunity to have jobs all the time that can support their outside interests or maybe even their education in a sense. So I feel like there has to be some type of work on all three sides for all three sides to change their ways to make this better. Cause obviously it's been going on for a while, but now that you add this third party into the situation, I think this is just a really big issue that needs to be addressed. But I think there needs to be an investigation on all three sides. Like It's just, I'm just, when I read the reports, I was like, dang, that's, that actually happened. Like I would, I would have never guessed that I've just figured all the universities just paid the kids to go there. Not like the actual shoe brands. Yeah. Even Zion Williamson just got dragged into it last week. Apparently his father requested from Kansas that, uh, he wanted a house, a job and money to, for his son to go to Kansas yeah, that's ridiculous. But like, then he decided to go to Duke for free, like a good kid instead, right? <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just waiting for like Duke to get busted next, and that would. That would it's ridiculous that they haven't. Like, yeah, I I don't know like how half these schools haven't gotten busted yet. Um, they either either they are doing it like the right way, or they're just like very good at hiding it. Because holy crap, like how did they're Duke good at get, hiding it? And I'm a Duke fan. How did Duke get? four of the top 10 recruits this past year and then like the year before as well and they're they're just sitting there and nothing's happened yet like that blows my mind that like nc state and louisville got busted before like duke did and like i'm a duke fan so i hope that well, i really hope they, did, they but did if well, they did it would just be like did. did you hear what but, like college basketball's got a serious problem man they have to fix yeah. this like 
it's gotten to the point where it's just way out of hand at this point. And I think the NCAA has to look at themselves and they can't just blame these programs. Like their, their rules are so strict that it almost makes it like, like they have to do this, even though they, I guess they technically don't have to, but man, that's crazy. Speaking of Duke, did you hear what coach K said about all of this? He said, I said, I think college basketball is actually pretty clean. I really haven't followed yeah, it that yeah. much. I think it's minute. It's a blip. It's not what's happening. We haven't lost guys because someone cheated. I haven't paid attention to it because I haven't been affected by it. Yeah. He should oh. be scared. Uh, what a lie. Yeah, he what should be scared. What a freaking lie. Like, that's, that just blows my mind. Like, every college I, coach, every college program in the country should be nervous about this, I, I feel like. Yeah, like, especially, like, if they did do something, like, I don't know. There's obviously there's been for a while college basketball has had some like really dirty and weird things happening like around it. Even since like before we were born, there's always been ties to like this kind of stuff. Um, but like right now, like this is not a time to just be like, oh yeah, bat like college basketball is clean. Like no, it's it was just proven that it wasn't, and that's only just. The FBI investigation last year that came out, like, towards the middle end of the, the college basketball season, there were so many schools that were, like, tied up in it. And although some of them were false reports or some of them weren't totally accurate, like, your name was yeah. dragged into that. And there were, like, a lot of them. You should be really nervous and you should clean up your act before, you know, obviously, you know, schools are going to get caught. Um, but I definitely think there needs to be some changes on all sides because this is just a cluster of a situation and it needs to be, like, fixed. Like, like not, like, in the future, like, now. It needs to be fixed now. Um, so then moving on to our last subject, kind of a bonus one. So, like, you know, typical typical media overreacts when a LeBron James team starts to struggle during the regular season. So I just want to ask you guys, after, you know, the Lakers started off, I think, 0-3, and then they won their first game against the Suns last night. Sorry, <laughs> AJ, but uh, – well, How concerned are you guys about the Lakers? As well, of right funny now? story about that. An account I follow on Twitter that uh, gives like his predictions on games uh, and gives like advice to sports betters. He uh, said, "Take the Lakers at minus three, meaning the Lakers winning by three points." But I expect this line to move up. So if that's the case, take the Suns. So. A few hours later, the line got up to minus five in favor of the Lakers. And so he tweeted again saying, take the Suns on this one. The struggling Lakers shouldn't – the Suns should make this close against a struggling Lakers team or something like that. And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm a Suns fan, but I think they're going to get beat by 20 at least. And sure enough, that's what happened. So there's no reason to push the panic button only four games into the season. I mean, come on. It, it, it's LeBron. He's with a young team. They're, they still have time to grow, uh, learn how to play together, and eventually they'll be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. It's too early to worry, though. Yeah, uh, to, uh, define top team. Top, <laughs> like, like I think top the, half of the conference. Okay, top half. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, I like top half of the playoff picture, or just like top half of the conference. Top half of the conference. Oh yeah, yeah. And then as we move down the road, maybe the playoff picture. Yeah, it's it's LeBron James. There's literally like zero reason to be worried about anything. The teams that he has taken to the finals or just throughout the playoffs, like there's zero reason to be worried at all if you're a Laker fan. I I just don't understand why people panic about the Lakers, like or about any LeBron team in the first like five to ten games of any season he plays. Like if you look at this Lakers roster, people are like, oh, they have no shooters. It's like, well, they have guys that are adequate shooters, and a lot of them are just young guys that are continuing to develop. Like, literally, Kuzma and Josh Hart, they're second-year players, and they're probably the two best shooters on the roster. And as you saw last night, they both played pretty well. Then they have Svi Mikhailu from Kansas, a second-rounder who he can shoot, and we'll see if he gets in the rotation more. Lance Stevenson has been playing awesome. JaVale McGee. And good Lonzo's Lonzo, yeah, yeah, Lonzo's been yeah. looking like he's shooting with confidence. Yeah, so like I don't understand why people freak out. Like, if you look look at the teams that they lost to in their first couple games, they lost to the Spurs, 
They lost to the Rockets. And then who was their first one? Wasn't it the uh, Trailblazers? Correct. Yeah, so they lost to three playoff teams from last year. And the Trailblazers were the three seed. The Rockets were like the one seed. And then the Spurs were like the six seed without a really good player on the roster outside of LaMarcus Aldridge. So they lost to three teams that basically returned a majority of their roster. Um, and they're like, a, the Lakers were a completely new roster and they were in all three games until the end. So like, I, I just really don't understand why people always freak out about LeBron led teams, you know, after like a couple games, like my roommates, a couple of them were like, Oh, they might not even make the playoffs. There's no way they get a top six seed. Like I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, well they're in all of their games. They have adequate shooting on their roster, even though it doesn't look like it right now. And they have guys that play hard and they have a deep rotation. Like they could literally go like 10 or 11 deep on that team. So I have no concern about the Lakers. I still stand by my prediction that they'll have a top four seed in the West. I really do. Um, And I I really think they're going to make a move at some point this year. That's going to make them even better. So there should be no concern about the Lakers. Do not hit the panic button. They just got off to a little slow start and Brandon Ingram was out for the past two games. So no, you should have no concern about the Lakers. Do you think if they – do you think that they'll make a trade that will make them compete this year instead of, you know, continuing to develop their young players? They Okay, so don't hear this the wrong way. I think that they are right up there with, you know, Houston and uh, the Jazz. I think those three thing, uh, teams right there – are like probably under Golden State, those are the three next best teams in the West. I don't think Houston's all that good now that they lost kind of like their two best wing defenders um, this offseason. They replaced it with Carmelo. Um, And yeah, it's still early to tell, but I just don't think that's going to be as good. I think the Jazz have improved a lot and um, just by like staying as a cohesive group. And Quinn Snyder's a great coach. And I think the Lakers are really talented as it is right now. But if they go on a hot streak... Yeah, I think they're going to make a move that can make them, you know, elevate to maybe the clear cut number two or three team in the West, which maybe gives them a shot at, you know, maybe taking a game or two against Golden State in the Western Conference finals or semifinals, depending on where they're seated. Like, I I just don't feel like it's hard to believe this roster is a lot better than his Cleveland roster last year, and they almost won game one of the finals at right. So I feel like, like, and people don't people don't recognize that like this roster is a lot, a lot better than what Cleveland's roster was. And they could easily make a trade. They have tons of young talent that they could get rid of, but is it worth it though? Even though they could make a run in a few years. Oh, well, if you could retain like whoever it is, like if it's a reasonable player um, for price and like talent um, and then like that age, that three com, if they have a player that they can have that has, the correct age, so like someone that's in their prime and will be for a couple of years, you know, the money situation fits so that they can maybe add another piece next summer. And then, you know, they don't have to give up a whole bunch, I guess. Um, and they're a really talented player that fits their style of play. Like, yeah, they're going to go out and get them because you can almost convince any team that's struggling or something along those lines to take on a young player like Brandon Ingram, they could easily flip him for a top player. And then like maybe another piece on their roster and then a pick like they're, they are ready right now to be a top half of the Western conference team. And if they added another all-star caliber player, I, I do believe that they could compete with golden state. I don't, I'm not saying they win, but I, I seriously do think that they could compete. And I think that's something that they'll consider coming upon the trade deadline. So uh, that concludes our J3G's Just Three Things of the Week. So we'll send it to AJ uh, with our What If Sports segment, uh, continuing uh, with a little bit of the same of what we've been doing, correct? (laughs) Yes, that is correct. We will be doing the fourth part, the fourth and final part of the first round of the greatest NBA team ever (laughs) tournament. Um. This week, we've got a lot of Lakers teams, Celtics, Spurs, 76ers. It's what we're used to, uh, some of the most dominant franchises in history. So, with that said, we'll get started here. 
with our first matchup, the four seed in the tournament, the fourth, the team with the fourth best record of all time, the 1971-1972 Lakers led by Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Gil Goodrich, taking on the 96-97 Miami Heat with Tim Hardaway and Alonzo Mourning. Who do you guys have in this one? I'll take the Lakers. Yeah, this Lakers team was pretty stacked back in the day. And yes, the Lakers do take this one, 117-298. They will be moving on. Next matchup, we've got the 1988-1989 Bad Boys, Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, Joe Dumars, amongst a few of those guys, taking on the 2011-2012 San Antonio Spurs. Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili in their late prime years. Who do you guys have in this one? Kawhi was on that team, right? Uh, yes, I believe Kawhi was a rookie this year. He was a rookie or second-year player, one of the two. I'll take the Spurs. Yeah, I think I will too, actually. Yeah, I don't think the Pistons would have enough scoring to take out the Spurs here. And yes, the Spurs win this one 96 to 86. A low scoring game there. And next up, we have another Spurs matchup the 2015 2016 San Antonio Spurs taking on the 1961 1962 Celtics with Bill Russell, Sam Jones, Bob Cousy. Who do you guys have? Um, I'll take the Spurs. Yeah, again. yeah the Spurs team was pretty deep i'd say that's what gets them over the celtics in this one and the spurs do win this one 114 to 103 so another spurs team moving on to the second round for our fourth matchup we've have the 1980 1981 philadelphia 76ers led by julius irving and daryl dawkins taking on the 1986-1987 Showtime Lakers, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Who do you guys have? I'll take Lakers. Showtime. Yeah, I feel like the Lakers should easily win this one here. And, oh, wow, a little upset here. The 76ers win 115-112 to 112 points. I don't know. The Lakers, the 76ers were the 45th ranked team. The Lakers were the 20th ranked team. So another upset. So moving on to our last half of matchups. We've got a pair of Lakers teams facing off. The 1999-2000 Los Angeles Lakers taking on the, sorry, of course those guys, those Lakers have Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. And then the 1949-1950 Minneapolis Lakers, George Mikan. You may have heard of him. Those other guys I have never heard of. (laughs) Have you heard of the the Mikan drill? Layups? Uh, You stand under the basket and just, like, do layups? You don't remember doing that? I remember that. That's who he was named after. Okay. Oh, naturally. Yeah, George Mikan was the original big man. He was like the first seven-footer. Yeah, that's world. right. He was <laughs> dominant in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure it won't be enough to beat the actual Los Angeles Lakers with Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I honestly shouldn't be that close. Shaq should shut him down. And, oh, my goodness. No. No, no way. No. <laughs> I no. I believe I'm reading this right. Uh yeah, the Minneapolis Lakers, 95. Los Angeles Lakers, 83. I don't know how they only scored 83 <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah, that's – okay. The simulator wow. is crap. That's, no a, that's a bigger upset. The 53rd-ranked team taking down the 12th-ranked team. Things are yeah, no that, That's, that's that, crazy. Yeah. All right, three matchups left to go. We have the 1982-1983 Philadelphia 76ers, Julius Irving, Moses Malone taking on – the 84-85 Lakers with Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy. Lakers. Lakers are on a cold streak. I'm going to go with Dr. J. And uh, you would be you would be wrong on this one. The Lakers 
take this one 108 to 96. Oh, damn. So that is actually another upset. Uh, the Lakers were the 44th ranked team. The 76ers were the 21st ranked team. So, wow. Got a few upsets in a row here. Next up, we have the 81-82 Celtics. Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, a young Larry Bird, taking on the 2008-2009 Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. This team had Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Al Horford. A lot, of those, a lot of those guys were young. I'll take the Hawks. I'll take I'll take the Celtics. You yeah, right? Celtics? yeah. I, I, I will take, take the, the Celtics, Celtics as well. And the Celtics win this in overtime, 112 Ooh. to 119. So last matchup of the first round. And we'll move on to the second round next week. We've got the 1966-1967 Philadelphia 76ers, the fifth-ranked team, Wilt Chamberlain, Hal Greer, Taking on the 97-98 Lakers, Shaquille O'Neal, a very, very young Kobe Bryant. Who's got this one? Lakers. Lakers. I feel like these two teams are built kind of in a similar way. But I'm going to take the 76ers on this one. And the 76ers do win 118-1. to 111. So that finally, after four episodes, finally concludes the first round of the greatest NBA team ever tournament. We'll move on to the second round next week. And then eventually it'll get more interesting as we move down the road there. So with that being said, let's send some picks. All right, uh, we're back with 10 picks, picks of the week. So a uh, little recap of last week. Uh, I won. I went 8-3 and three on my game picks. Noah and AJ tied for second and last, um, going 7-4. Oof. So nice try, guys. This is the third straight time I've won. I believe um, the first one was, was not a win, though. It was a tie. Yeah, but... that was unfair. Two straight. I'll give you two yeah. straight. It's a streak now. Yeah, yeah well. Yep. So, anyways, moving on to college football. We got five games to pick, and then NFL will have five, and then we'll talk about World Series Game 3. So, first game on the agenda, pretty big one. Number nine, Florida, versus number seven. Uh, this game is played at a neutral location, correct? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. No, I can't, I can't remember. I, I literally just saw something about this. But uh, I, I will take Georgia – on this one. I'm guessing it'll be a pretty close game. Uh, yeah, I'll take Georgia as well. Yeah, I think Georgia is fighting for them national championship hopes, and you know, Florida is as well, but I think Georgia's built a little bit better. We'll go with Georgia. So then we got number 14, Washington State, versus number 24, Stanford. Um, I think this will be another good game. But I will take Stanford at home. Yeah, same here, actually. I was going to go Stanford. Yeah, I feel like this is just like one of those games where Stanford comes out and just hits Washington State in the mouth real early, especially it's a home game. Um, They're still fighting for some relevance for the rest of the season. Uh, I'll take Stanford as well. So then this one I kind of thought was a little bit interesting. I had number six, Texas, versus Oklahoma State could be like a potential upset alert game. It yeah, could be. Uh, it could be. I was thinking about this one as well when I was making my picks on ESPN earlier today. But I think Texas is too hot right now. Um, I don't see them losing to Oklahoma State. It could be, but it won't be. Uh, yeah, Texas is going to win this game. Yeah, I'll take Texas as well. So uh, now a really big game this weekend. 17 Penn State versus number 18 Iowa. It's at Penn State, but it's a 2.30 start time. Guys yeah, got? if it was a night game, uh, I would definitely take Penn State. But I think Iowa has looked better throughout the season. And this is a chance for them to prove themselves in the Big Ten. 
So I, I'm going to take Iowa. See, I think I think Penn State really needs this one, and being at home too, I'm going to go Penn State on this one. I'm going to go with the Hawks. I really think this is their statement win uh, to you know garner some more national attention. And I think Iowa is just an all-around better team than Penn State, so I have a hard time seeing just Trace McSorley pull this one off. Um, so I got to go with the Hawks. Um, then Iowa State versus Texas Tech. Brock Purdy's been on fire. The Cyclones have been looking good. Yeah, you you could say got... they've been looking pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Iowa State's going to continue the run that they're on. They'll win this one easily. Yeah, I'll take the Cyclones. Yep, I'm going to take Iowa State too. I don't. See, other than the Texas game, I don't see a game that they'll lose on the rest of the schedule. They'll beat Texas. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. Now we got the Thursday night game for NFL Dolphins versus Texans. What do you guys got? Uh, I would be shocked if the Dolphins won this one, considering it's in Houston. Houston's on a roll, so I wouldn't be surprised if Houston won by double digits. Yeah, I'll take Houston. Yep, I'll take Houston as well. So now we got Eagles versus Jaguars. Uh, Blake Bortles has, you know, he's on the short leash this week against the Eagles. Um, Jaguars having a lot of problems with their team. So, who do you guys? Yeah, got? can we officially say that the Jaguars suck again? Or is it too early? Uh, they don't suck. I think it's. I think it's a little too early. Um, I don't think they suck. They have a good roster. They're just not playing well, and I think everybody's not playing well. Like, obviously, they didn't lose much from last year, and they're still like. I mean, they're still in the playoff hunt as bad as they've been in the past couple of weeks. That is true. I'm guessing their offense will get it together eventually. But even though this one's in London, isn't it? It is in London. So I don't think this is the game that they'll get over that hump. And I'd say the Eagles win. No way. Try to bet against Jacksonville London. You'll be out of luck every time. Go Jaguars. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm picking the Jags as a pick-me-up game. They might play well in London. Um, they should probably. Be I'm in guessing London, they don't want to be in London. I, I don't, I'm guessing no team wants to be playing in London. I think the Jaguars do. Yeah, yeah I do too. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm taking Jags. So now we got Ravens versus Panthers. What you guys got? Uh, this was the hardest game for me to pick this week. Um, I would say since the Ravens kind of disappointed me last week, I had them taking down the Saints, and if Justin Tucker would have just made an extra point, then, you know, that could have opened up the door, would have sent it in overtime. So I am not cheering for the Ravens anymore. I'm going to pick the Panthers. I'm going to take the Ravens. I think they'll get a little bounce back here. Yeah, I think the Raven, the Panthers are one of those teams that once you start paying attention to them, they'll have, like, like a really, really ugly win or just, like, a really bad loss. And I feel like the Ravens are one of those teams that they have a really legitimate chance to win their division right now. Um, and I think they're going to fight for this one. I th- I'll, I'll take the Ravens. Uh, so then we got Broncos versus Chiefs. Last time they played, it was an extremely close game. Uh, but the Chiefs have, you know, extremely separated themselves from just about everybody. Um, who do you guys Now have? that the Chiefs are playing against Denver at home, I think this has a potential of being a blowout. Go Chiefs. Yeah, I'll take the Chiefs as well. Yep, I'll take the Chiefs too. So, uh, last NFL game, Saints versus Vikings. You guys um, I was surprised to see that other people that picked this game. It's kind of it's close to 50-50, but I don't, I don't like the Vikings enough to take this one. And the Saints have been playing really well, so I got to go with the Saints. Is this one at Minnesota? Or it is in Minnesota, though. I'll take the Prime Vikings. Prime time. I'll take the Vikings. I'm taking the Saints. They, their season was ended last year on that Minnesota miracle. I think they come out extremely motivated to win this one. All right, last game to pick, MLB World Series Game 3. Who do you guys got? Okay, uh, first of all, I originally predicted that the Red Sox would win games one and two. They'd win game three, so to answer your question, I'm picking the Red Sox. Then I bet Kershaw starts in a do-or-die game four. Dodgers win that one. Then Red Sox close it out in five in Los Angeles. 
I don't remember what I initially predicted. I think I said Sox in five. I don't remember, but the Red Sox are going to win this one. I wouldn't be surprised if they swept. Honestly, get out the brooms. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Dodgers. Uh, I think this is the only game they win in the series. I think they come back at home and I think they get a really, really good team game, uh, and then I think they lose the next two. So I'll go with the Dodgers. So send it to Noah for the conclusion. All right, thank. For tuning in another week of just three guys, make sure to listen to the podcast as always. Follow us on Twitter at J3G Podcast. Send us those questions in the DMs or send them J3G Podcast at gmail.com and we'll keep answering them. Thank you guys very much and we'll, we will see you next week. Friday night.